What's up, RTC? This is the Career Progressions Podcast, brought to you by RevealTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Allred. You know, building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career like climbing a rock wall. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they share will help you find the climbing holds they use to get where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. So the latest U.S. unemployment data shows that as of May, the average time a person is unemployed is about five months. This number, you know, funny, really hasn't changed very much in the last several years, even given the impact of the pandemic. But think about it. If you're looking for work right now or you lost your job, the one that you have today, how ready are you financially to be out of work for five months We're going to talk today about the things you can do to help absorb the financial blow of being out of work. To give you some great ideas, I've invited my personal financial advisor, Alex Moss, to the conversation. Alex is a wealth advisor with Signature FD right here in Charlotte. I have the pleasure of knowing his amazing wife, Brittany, and his incredibly smart two-and-a-half-year-old, Elena. And Alex, if I'm not mistaken, we're not too far from number two, correct? That's correct. Yeah, just a couple of weeks. The countdown's on. Wow. So I'm just assuming you have one heck of a financial plan already in the works for that growing family, right? It's all, it's all worked out. Hopefully that's what, uh, what you've brought me on today for. It exactly <laughs> is. So I want you to come in and talk about this tough, this tough question about how do you, as much as you can, prepare financially for this time of season when you may be out of work. So one of the pieces of advice I often give people is to surround themselves with people who have strengths in areas where they have gaps. For example, although I'm extremely disciplined, I'm average at best at managing finances. So that's why I'm grateful, honestly, to be working with you. You get it, and you are legitimately excited about it. Am I, am I wrong, or am I painting an accurate picture here? No, I'd say that's an accurate picture, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, I try to surround myself as well with people who are passionate about the work that they're doing and those who have a heart of a teacher. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You were, I mean, you were an absolute godsend in my life. You know, when I, my position was eliminated some time ago, I mean, you really helped me look at the landscape of my finances and gave me a crystal clear picture about where I was and what I was going to need to do to get where I wanted to be. So considering that a good part of our audience is in an uncertain space right now, as a result potentially of a job loss, I'm so grateful you agreed to stop by and share some thoughts about things you can do to manage that season of life where perhaps no income is coming in at all. So right off the bat, you know, are there three things that you think people should be doing and or thinking about financially in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I think a lot of this conversation will probably come on the front end of before you reach that period of a job loss. Um, the first thing that I'd say everybody needs to be doing is budgeting. We know most yeah. people say that they're doing it, but we know that they're you know empirically not doing it. The idea is just having an understanding in my in my mind of what you make, what you spend, what you have, and what you owe. So what you make minus what you spend is your cash flow, right? Do mm-hmm. am I positive? Am I generating more? And if you're in a period of a job loss, obviously that'll be a negative number for you. On the other side of the table, having a concept of what you have minus what you owe, that's your net worth, right? Yeah. 
And you can use that number to have a concept of how much longer can I spread this period of time over a job loss? What is this going to look like for me? Um, do I need to you know, engage in the gig economy, which we might talk about with you know, various jobs that are always hiring you know, in a season of, of looking for a, a new position? So, you know, I think we can both agree, unfortunately, there are a lot of Americans out there that, you know, maybe didn't go down that planning route. And so now, you know, they get hit with a life quake, a job loss, and now they're in the throes of it and they're not prepared. What are some things that maybe they should be thinking about in that environment? Yeah. So um, budgeting the first piece, what can I cut, right? Mm. The, the, the more that you can reduce the cash flow deficit on a monthly basis, the longer you might be able to stretch, your, stretch yourself out. So um, think of uh, kind of those fixed expenses that you have, mortgage, right? Loans, repayments, things like that might right. not be immediately um, changeable, but um, entertainment, the way that you might um, you know, engage in, in your social life. Um, those are some areas that you want to have a tight grip on, and you might make some different behavioral decisions from week to week as you're you know, stretching a period of job loss and looking for the right opportunity. All right. So, I mean, in, in that scenario, I mean, what's the biggest mistake you see people make? Preparation on the front end. Um, so, we generally recommend most financial advisors, myself included, having about three to six months of your expenses in cash and available. Mm-hmm. This isn't in you know short-term investments. This isn't in your retirement accounts. This isn't on a credit card. So the biggest mistake that we see on the front end is getting yourself into a p- position where you can't stretch a job loss, and then at that point. They don't have the time to, you know, network and work with somebody like yourself joining in a community, which is ideally what you want to have. Time is the most valuable resource, and that's what helps you get into a job that, you know, in my opinion, this is your area of expertise, but that's one that's going to last and you're going to have some fulfillment with it. Yeah, and this probably gets to some of the things you've talked about, but in our community, I mean, we're always talking about the importance of being proactive instead of reactive in your job search. In fact, we call people career pros because P-R-O stands for proactive versus reactive outlook. It simply means you're preparing for the storm before it comes, which is exactly what you've been talking about here. So in dealing with personal finances, I know there are some obvious things, like you've mentioned, saving money that someone could do, prepare for, uh, for that kind of loss. But what are some things people can do that they probably aren't thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, in a period of job loss, I think of decisions in terms of their reversibility. So a lot of the people that we're working with that are going through this um, straining time, right, they're making those cuts that they can to the social life, the entertainment, those kind of one, you know, one time a month deals. Um, what they may not think about is uh, reversible decisions such as the ability to sell a car and mm-hmm. remove your other what you are seemingly fixed expenses that are actually more fungible than you might consider on the front end. Okay, well, that's interesting. I like this idea of reversible decisions. That's smart. <laughs> so a friend's, friend once told me that um, some things you can do to prepare for possibly being out without work uh, is, is to open an equity line on your accounts. And I never thought about that before. So, I mean, if you're in that position where you can do that, what it gives you is a more palatable bucket that you can draw from if needed. So, I mean, what do you think about that approach? Is there something else that you would recommend? That's a great question. So um, that's debt. That's the first thing that I'd want to say uh, on the front end. It's not tapping into a specific resource. You're, you are leveraging your home mm. um, for purposes of, of um, 
you know, hopefully finding that next right opportunity for you and not having to immediately jump in. So my best piece of advice that I can start off with is do what you can to not tap into it. It's a great lifeline to have. Um, and when you do tap into it, it's not your vacation budget, right? right? It's not going to the movies. It's not the luxury items. It's to pay bills. Um, generally, what you'll find with a home equity line of credit um, is that the cost of the loan is significantly lower, right? Um, so using your home as a fixed asset that you are uh, placing a lien on against is a little bit more secure than your personal credit. Yeah. So credit cards are going to carry much higher interest rates in general, than a home equity line of credit is. So for those uh, necessary expenses that you have full intention to pay back as quickly as you can, um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Dave Ramsey model all day long and try to pop away from debt as much as you can. But in, in a real world, if you haven't done what you need to um, to prepare on the front end for that three to six months of emergency fund, yeah. you're in an emergency. The second thing I'll say is once you get that job back, make sure that you don't get in that position again, at least in the first three to six months of a job loss. Such an important point. And, you know, again, statistics show that people are, are changing jobs every three to five years. Uh, and, you know, some of those job changes are not uh, something they planned. So, yes, if you get in, if you find yourself right now in this situation, do the best you can to pull yourself out. But do remember, make sure to make these kinds of things, uh, you know, put these things in place before that next time comes along. It was a good point that you mentioned about, you know, the equity line. I mean, last resort, right? Sure. I mean, it's it's not a bad, hey, when you have to pull the trigger, it's good to have it there, but making sure you're not having to do that if you don't have to. So if the job search lingers for a lot longer than somebody anticipated, and, you know, and they're having to get creative about making ends meet, is there an order in which you would recommend that they follow when having to get into resources they really rather not disturb? I mean, yeah. So emergency fund first. Let's pretend that that's already taken that off the there. cash. Yeah. So that once that's depleted, um, Dave Ramsey says, and it, it makes me laugh every time. Sell things. Sell everything. Mm. Sell so much that the kids think they're next. <laughs> so, <laughs> so take an opportunity to take inventory of what's in your home and, and realizing, I mean, there's great apps, right? There's Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, Nextdoor is one that we use. When there's something that we just simply don't want anymore, we put a $5 price tag on it for a porch drop right. and uh, connect without ever having to connect with somebody and end up $5 richer. <laughs> $5 richer. Hey, every little bit, right? Sure. That's and that's an interesting because I I think a lot of people listening are probably not thinking about that they hit that next so once you pass that threshold and you've sold the things there is there another what would be the next trigger you'd pull yeah so gig economy that we talked about earlier Uber's always hiring mm -hmm. pizza delivery is always hiring odd jobs are always hiring so you know find ways to create value in the short run even if it's not your long term game plan it's probably something that you're going to take and from that experience and if you spend enough time decompressing afterwards even if it's completely unrelated to the work that you generally do i guarantee you there's something you can apply to it and learn from the experience and of course that's something i would recommend on the front end once it you know if you've got the emergency fund you've done everything you know i'll put air quotes up the right way right um that first month or so might be a good time to really slow down take inventory what are my experiences been up to this point and then how do i connect with somebody like yourself mark and try to understand what the right next step is for me right um but it's it's money that buys time quite frankly so um find any way to earn even if it's not a long-term plan 
sell what you've got and rely on, um, you know, your assets before your liabilities. Well, and, and to speak to the gig economy thing you're talking about, I think a lot of people, when you get into that part of your job search where it's taking a long time, you're now facing a gap in your resume and hiring managers are leery of yep. gaps in resumes. So I think the opportunity to take on some work and show that, Hey, you're willing to take a job that you know maybe you weren't pretty excited about doing to do what was necessary to keep your family and your household running. I think that's a good piece of your story that you can really start telling employers and they can get a chance to see your character and your willing to fa willingness to face adversity to get yourself out of tough situations. So yeah, my, the firm that I'm working for, um, that I'm lucky to be a part of in a community, we've got um, our six G's, which are our core values, and one of those is grit. And that's grit. grit. I mean, that is absolutely grit. If you're delivering pizzas, you know, you're making six figures before that, you have full intention of making it after that, and you're willing to make ends meet by delivering pizzas. I mean, I think that that's something you could help craft a great story, both on a resume and in an interview. You could help with that, couldn't you, Mark? And you know what? <laughs> yes. And that's one of the things we talk about. And when we're when we're on that career pro pathway, which is available in our community, where we really help coach you to that part of that, that is so important is telling your story. If you could put a little grit in your story, that's a great thing to add to an employer conversation. So, you know, again, and it does, it's not the greatest thing in the world to have to kind of back into jobs like that. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do to make those ends meet. Sure. So, Alex, as we get to the end of the podcast, I always like to challenge my guests to just get a little bit vulnerable if they're willing to share a story or two from their life where they were facing some struggles similar to what might be going on with the audience out here right now. Um, and talk about what they were feeling and about how they overcame the situation. I know you've, I knew you're a pretty young guy. True. You're, you're a young guy, but can you think of something that you'd be willing to share? Just, you know, things that, that you've had to face adversity yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll, from a career perspective, I'll actually take a little bit of a unique spin on this if it's okay. Sure. Um, so I've been very fortunate. I've had excellent advisors. You know, you're both personally a, a friend of mine um, and a mentor of mine. So we've spent spent plenty of time uh, hanging out and, and talking about these kinds of things. Um, my my career uh, path has been wonderful. I mean, I've had great advisors. I haven't been in a job that I hated. Um, so I've I, I recognize that I've been. Very fortunate in that. So I'll talk back to a story. I actually met my wife when we were 18. So uh, dated at 18, engaged at 20, married at 22. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. So she's kind of been along for the, the full ride. Um, so the first kind of concept I think that I'll implement here is once I was getting out and becoming a financial advisor, I thought, you know, I was barely a few days past 22. Um, I was like, I, I have got to get a great car. Right. If I'm going right. to be, if I'm going to be driving around the client appointments, the right. They don't want somebody pulling up in the 1998 Honda Accord, which funny, that's what many of my multimillionaire <laughs> clients today are, are driving. Um, but, um, so I remember we were shopping lots and I had virtually no income at this point. Um, actually no income at this point. Wow. I just had, you know, a little bit that I was able to save from working as a resident advisor when I was in college. Um, so shopping on the lots and, and Brittany, my wife, was coming along with me. And I just remember I was looking at the front of the car just to figure out what's the emblem on there and what's this going to look like pulling onto somebody's driveway. Huh. 
And I spent so much time focusing on the wrong thing. And I remember it was, it came down to two cars. Um, it was, um, just probably a three, four year old, um, solid Camry middle of the line, um, which Brittany was leaning towards. And then another one that was a hundred miles advanced from that. Yeah. And I believe it was, a, it was a Lexus, but it had the right emblem on it. Right. So, uh, <laughs> we, we kind of battled back and forth and I, I am grateful to say that we walked away with the Camry with, you know, that we actually just got rid of gosh, a month ago. Wow. Um, but that was, even that car wasn't one that I needed. I'm glad she stepped me down from a big mistake to a smaller mistake. Um, but I actually keep it. And, and as you know, I do professionally, I work with, um, you know, clients on, uh, wealth management, um, and then pro bono at the church that, uh, you and I go to spend a lot of time, uh, working with individuals, um, you know, just for free. Um, and what I've, I guess what I've learned from this experience is that that was not a time for me to get a fixed expense added on through a car payment. Right. And, um, to this day, when I teach at the church, I have, um, you may have even seen this before. I actually have the bill of sale, the receipt, and I've done handwritten math on it. I calculated the uh, cost of the car. That was the, the sticker price right. that I paid plus the dealer fees plus the interest that I paid. We paid it off early, but I calculated every penny. And this car that I thought I paid 15000 for cost me over $20,000. Wow. Um, grateful that it was a good car for such a long period of time for us. Um, but it was a small mistake that I made, and I kept it both physically in my folder that I reference each time that I teach a class there, um, but also kept it in the back of my mind to fight against um, lifestyle creep. Right. So that concept, I'll introduce it here briefly. Um, that's the concept that um, as you earn more, you spend more. And when you spend more, you usually, it's not transitory, right? Somebody goes and makes 50% more. It's not, you know, 50% more just goes straight to vacations or to charitable endeavors. It, it usually goes into fixed assets through your car or through your home. So the lower, the less that you can live and be comfortable within your means, the less you have to make. Right. And I know that you know this, right? This is what you do for a living. It's, it's helping people understand um, what truly makes them happy. What do they enjoy doing in their work? We work way too many hours yeah, a we week do. to not be happy about it and, and truly, honestly enjoy what we're doing. Um, our firm um, has a tagline uh, called Net Worthwhile. So it's it's a concept that we try to help our clients understand that we believe that wealth is more than the accumulation of more. So the concept here is it's where your net worth meets your worthwhile. And where those two to go, where those two get together is um, what we're looking to help people understand and achieve you know, their sense of, of net worthwhile. So how do I first determine what the right lifestyle is for me? And then backing into that from an income perspective. And ideally, if your income gets above that, you know, I'm huge on um, charitable endeavors. And I think that there, you get so much more out of giving. Um, right. I think that's where we get closer to the net worthwhile, even if it's not on the front end, you know, as we peel back the un and the relationships that we're working through. Um, that's that's where it's that's what's important to me. So the concept that I'm trying to get to here, the mistake that I made was a lifestyle creep mistake that I wasn't ready to make yet. And because of that, I had a, I had a need for income and I think the car payment was about $420 and I'll probably never forget that number. Yeah. Well, and, and to go back to the car, here's the thing, you know, when that client, when you drive up in their, 
in their driveway, they're going to notice the car, right? Yep. But I tell you what they're going to remember. They're going to remember your character. They're going to remember your confidence. And they're going to remember your commitment. And that's one of the reasons why I work with you, because you just nail all those things. And I hope everybody is learning a lot from the story that he told with that. I mean, you've got to think about those things. And I think those decisions that you're making in that environment also put you in a better place if that life quake comes. Mm. And you find yourself looking for work and you find yourself not being where you wanted to be financially. But if you don't have some of those, uh, what do you call them, lifestyle creeps Mm -hmm. out there that are holding you back, it helps in a big way. Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate you. You're getting real with us here at the end. That was nice. But thanks for coming along and uh, hopefully we can get you back again sometime. Thank you so much for the time, Mark. It was a pleasure. All right. So some sage advice from Alex today. To summarize be proactive. Putting a disaster plan together before you end up in the throes of an unexpected job search makes the stress of that situation infinitely better. But if you're already in the storm, make a responsible budget, prioritize your expenses, sell what can be sold, and don't be afraid to take advantage of the opportunities that a gig economy provides. So if you're in the middle of a job search, make sure to check out the career resources page on the revealtalent.com to find several things that will help you energize your search. While you're there, you'll see a link to the Career Pro Pathway, which is a coaching journey that will prepare you for every critical discipline necessary for an effective job search. If you can master what you'll learn on that pathway, you'll earn the right for the advocates at Reveal to introduce you to our contacts and the companies you want to work for. Thanks so much for listening today. Every investment you make in your personal development is precious, and we hope the time you've invested with us today will spark thoughts and plans that will help you find the next climbing hold on the rock wall of your career. We hope you'll join us again soon, but until then, be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward.